I think one of the most exciting actors in America, perhaps one of the most perceptive, too, is in town right now. James Earl Jones will be playing the role of Othello in the Goodman Theatre production opening February... February 16th, is it? Is yes. It February 16th, James Earl Jones. Uh, no doubt many listeners may have seen him in various uh, of the better uh, television programs, but... Uh, he won a number of awards for his Othello in various productions in New York, the Free Theater, which is quite a project in itself, with which Mr. Jones has been connected, and we can talk about that. And even more recently, there was a tryout of a new play by Howard Sackler called The Great White Hope. It's the story, based play based on the life of Jack Johnson, the black champion, in the first decade or so of this century. Uh, the role played by James Earl Jones and the uh, critical acclaim he received indicates that the critics knew what they were talking about. Where, and in Blood Knot, uh, the play by the young white South African, Ethel Fugard, was a powerful play off-Broadway, and uh, the black half-brother of the other guy was played by James Earl Jones. So where do we begin? Shall we begin with oh boy. The, the big man himself, Othello? Yeah, let's start Othello. there. <laughs> <clears throat> Um, this is my fourth time, my fifth time doing the play. Um, I did it in New York. Uh, the production that I really, I think, got my feet on the ground with was uh, the, started in the Free Theater in New York, uh, Shakespeare in the Park. Uh, doing it out of doors, of course, everything turns into sort of a circus, and you don't get quite the sensitivity and the subtlety that Shakespeare has, you know, in, in his dialogue. So we... Uh, the Circle in the Square picked it up. We took it onto, uh, off Broadway. We played it there for about nine months. And uh, I think we, we found a beginning mm. of an approach to the play there. Who is Othello? Because it's going to raise a number of questions. Certainly, uh, your view of the Olivier's interpretation mm -hmm. of Othello. Who is Othello? What sort of, some say Othello may be a story of an older man and a young girl. I think so. I, I think that that's true. In fact, uh, the older I get, I think the closer I get to an accurate interpretation of the play. It takes great, a great deal of uh, maturity to play that role. I think next to the maturity that it takes to play uh, Lear, you know. And I think it's a role that I should do every four or five years mm. until I'm old enough to really do it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I, I, think, I think his maturity, the age gap between him and his wife, uh, is just as important as the color gap or the culture gap, you know, which uh, Shakespeare laid in there quite heavily. Um, he, he's referred to as a black man. And I frankly think uh, any good actor uh, with a sensitivity to that character can do the part. doesn't have to be black and be yellow, brown. Uh, Walter Houston, I remember, yeah, just did it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's a role that every black actor should uh, eventually tackle, you know, because it's there, yes. like Mount Kilimanjaro. <laughs> it's there, so therefore you climb it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk more about you and your Othello, what you found out. Who was Othello? He lived at a certain time in a certain society. He came from a certain place, a certain uh, kind of public figure. That's very important because I think... Um, I, I was very impressed by Laurence Olivier's production. I think uh, to give him all, all the credit uh, about making the play popular, I think he made his film uh, made that play as popular as Hamlet and Macbeth in this country. You know, and it has not been done too much. Uh, I think, but I think it will be done a lot now. Now that people have gotten a taste for it through his film. Uh, I think uh, one criticism I have, and of course I can't. Uh, you know, uh, any British actor can do a play 
and uh, take any approach he wants. Next year he can turn around and do it again, you know. In America, you do it once, and if you don't do it right, you've had it. You know? <laughs> the fear of failure. Yeah. The fear of yeah. failure. But uh, Olivia took this approach to it. I, I criticized it because not the acting, just, just the interpretation. He made Othello into a westernized black man, a man who was aware of prejudice, who too aware of it. I think it's one of the things that Othello is innocent of, and that's why he's so vulnerable to it. He comes from a black world where he was a member of the black royalty, even, of that world. And uh, black was the, the, the status quo. That was the thing to be. Um, when he went into this uh, white world, the Venetian society, he came into it with all, all uh, total integrity, total, totally put together. He had no sense of inferiority, you know, as Western black people tend to have. You know. Let's talk about this some more. This, I think, this, I never quite had heard, heard this particular aspect of this, to me, is terribly important. Particularly today, think of Othello. I don't mean a con- I don't mean Othello in modern dress, but uh-huh. digging as you obviously do into Othello. But how is interpreted in the twentieth century? We have newly emerging African nations, with cultures long deeply buried, yet cultures and mores that are not Western cultures and right. mores. In fact, indeed, the West has much to learn as far as human relationships. Oh, Othello I... came from this kind of society. Yeah. yeah. For instance, give you a l- little yeah. example, and it connects it up with another play that I that I'm fond of, and it's the Blood Knot. Uh, it's about South Africans, and, and um, in preparing for South for the play, I first uh, Miriam Makiba was in town in New York, so I went to meet her just to. And I made one mistake. I said, uh, uh, Miss McKeever, I want to learn uh, the flavor of the language of the Bantu people. And she hit the seat and she said, the word Bantu. there are no Bantu I people. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a American white people calling uh, American black people colored. Yeah. It's a, it's a convenient word that uh, has nothing to do with their real roots no. and their real culture. Bantu, Patrick <laughs> should tell you, Bantu is a word used by particularly the Afrikaner people and all, all white people for... All black people living south of the equator, so the word Bantu is lumped in, forgetting yeah. the thousands of different tribes. tribes so you made your mistake there. Yeah, <laughs> so I didn't get much from her, but uh, I, I eventually ended up meeting the young man um, that the play was written for, pretty much, the young, the young South African black actor, uh, Zakes Mkwanamokai. Great, great man. Uh, I worked with him in the, the Comedians, the film with Burton Taylor. He had a part in there, the Tonton uh, Maku, the Haitian police. Um, and I learned from Zakes and from other South Africans I met in London uh, about the culture, and I, I think uh, it, uh, what I learned uh, gave me a new insight into what we've called our um, our uh, social problem here. For instance, the problem of illegitimacy, which um, uh, Negroes uh, I think take a great deal of uh, uh, suffer a great deal of shame about, as well as poor white people. Uh, rich white people manage to get uh, abortions and uh, keep it off the records, and we don't know about their illegitimacy rate as much as <laughs> the poor this people. Is, this is why the Moynihan Report is so comical. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, uh, but there, um, Ziggs was, was say that it is a common thing in black African culture for the, a young couple gets married. Um, they're not saddled with raising the kids. The grandparents raise the kids, you know. And I think the tendency for, uh, like, uh, my grandparents raised me. And I, I for a while, thought that was a, uh, I was supposed to look upon that with shame, you know. Um, you look at it from, through white man's eyes. Right, exactly, exactly. 
Uh, but there, it, it, is, it is a common thing. Also, there is no such thing as illegitimacy. If a child is born out of wedlock in an African tribe, he has a family, and that family is the tribe. There's, and he, he, he's given a name. He's taken in by that tribe. So there's no such thing as illegitimacy. And the, person, and the child is never grows up uh, with that stigma attached to him. You know? But that, that's yeah, the kind of a culture yeah, that, yeah. that is, um, was so different from, uh, from uh, the Venetians that Othello came from. You know? uh, the attitude about wives was quite different from his culture. There was no such thing as uh, playing around, having sweethearts on the side. You know? So when Iago suggests that his wife, a Venetian, has a sweetheart on the side, Othello, not only is outraged by it, he can't understand it. Yes, yes. You know? Can't understand yes. it. So, he, <laughs> so here we have uh, an approach of James Earl Jones, an approach that is far, far deeper than just reading the play and learning the lines, but studying the whole mores of a time, of a people, Othello, really a stranger, innocent in young, a sense, young. innocent of, the, of what seem to be the aberrations of what is the dominant society, what appears yes. to be the dominant society. Yes. Um, I, I, getting back to uh, Mr. Olivier, I think he based his, uh, he, I mean, he had to reach into some culture to find a black man that he could create. And I think he, he did it beautifully. But it, it was more of a West Indian, a, a man uh, aware of he, what he was up against and uh, a bit hostile, a bit arrogant at it as well. I, I met a uh, South African troupe uh, doing the play Spononu. Uh, Alan Payton's play. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, you know, meeting them, I, I found no chip on the shoulder. Like when they talked about race problems, it was like, um, well, you know, the South Africans, sure, the regime there is, is rotten, but, uh, uh, you know, they'll go away someday. You know, they're just misguided, you know. That's, that's, the that's interesting here, and this probably is a fellow to, as you see him, uh, the urban, if we can use the phrase, urban life, the horrors of urban life did not affect the young Negroes, affects the young white man, uh, what it does, in Africa, of course, we have it in, naturally in Johannesburg and in Durban now, aside from the fact that it is a racist society, an mm -hmm. apartheid, the city itself, the city and its effect. You're talking about now the Africans from Spanono, the young African actors who yes. are here. Uh, maybe it hadn't quite affected them yet. Not in the same yeah. way that it yeah. affects a young uh, black American in the yeah. ghetto of a yeah. large city. Yeah. You know? I mean, they, they, they are the ghettos there, too. Uh, and, and um, you know, young black people uh, are wooed into the silk stockings and the used Cadillacs mm -hmm. are the same as mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. in this country. The, yeah. the commerce that is shoved down their throats, the advertisement mm -hmm. and so on. Uh, but they still can always reach back to their very deep roots, mm -hmm. you know, their anyway, tribal roots. I've been talking to James Earl Jones, all this is related to Othello. That's the point. Everything <laughs> we're talking about, so you were as the half-brother, your, your, your half-brother, the other brother, is white. You yeah. and he come from the same mother. In, in the blood knot. In the blood yes, knot, yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, uh, that play uh, was written by, uh, as uh, Sud said, uh, Ethel Fugard, uh, a young white South African who is very much um, involved with the, with the problem there. In fact, he's under what, I, what we call house arrest now. Uh, he, it was all right for him to write that play even to appear in on stage. But what he did, he went to London and appeared in it as the White Brother on BBC TV. And when he went back home, they took his passport away. 
that was going a step too far. Yeah. The South Africans are very afraid of yeah. television. They don't have TV That's right. in that country. <laughs> they know this is interesting. South Africa, so we'll, we'll come back to Othello. It's all, the SABC, the South African Broadcasting Company, has three channels on radio, no television. You wonder, well, gee, it's a good thing they haven't. They haven't got the commercials. But I guess the great fear is they may be seeing mixing of races on TV. Television opens the society up. You know, I think yeah. eventually it, it, television can open up our uh, closed societies, like in Mississippi, my my home mm. state. Uh, someday they'll stop blacking out uh, the shows that they, that they think is not fit. That's your home state. Yeah. So let's go back to the, because here too was probably uh, also some of the tap roots you called upon for Othello. I have to avoid them because they, they are they are frustrated tap roots. Um, I luckily was, was taken out of that society uh, at a young age so that I, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, a 100% a product of Mississippi. Uh, I, I remember good things about Mississippi. I, mine was the boy, the boy's view of Mississippi, mm. the Huckleberry Finn mm. Mississippi, you know, <laughs> fishing and carrying on, you know, like that. Um, and I was raised in Michigan, similar kind of farm, you know, isolated. Um, from the, you know, the city life, uh, but I I can't draw too much mm. from it except except my understanding of Iago. Iago is a tragic figure in, in himself, and um, tragic in a similar way. Uh, I guess is as a poor white might be in yeah, the south. Yeah, that's, that's, that's rainy, and you know the, the, uh, the men who've been Sheriff, accused of uh, uh, the uh, Mississippi. Uh, yeah. Uh, now you see. Uh, Iago is up against it. Iago is in a world where commerce is swinging, where people are getting rich, and and he finds he can't make it. And he says, why is this? I, even when I go for a lieutenant uh, to this black general, I can't even make that. Yeah. Some other cat gets it. Some yeah. other, you know, smooth cat gets it. Yeah. Uh, up, upper class, you know. Yeah. And, and this is the pain that Iago is feeling. This is, he this burns is, up. He this burns is up inside. very fascinating. Here's Iago. We think of Iago now, and instead of the just the malevolent figure who is evil incarnate, something else. There's a human being here. Yeah. Iago, this yeah. guy, frust- he's been in the army almost all his life, and he's bypassed. Somebody's to blame. Yeah. He's got to get at someone. Exactly. And there is this black hero who is honored by the people who pay no attention to him. Right. Cassio on the side. Yeah. Gotta, it's Othello then, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. He resents everybody. Yeah. Resents everything that he feels that's oppressing him. You know. But somebody's to blame. Right. It's like uh, well, any any poor white person is suffering the yeah. same thing that every poor black person is suffering. But uh, it's harder for the poor white man to identify his enemy. Yeah. The black man can say, yeah, it's some rich white man, some powerful white man, some somebody that's uh, controlling my life up there. Yeah. And the white poor white person saying, you know, I, I'm being I'm being hurt here, but who's doing it? You know, and who's sitting on me? For him to survive the day, to use a Robert Lowell fla- phrase, to survive the day since his life is bleak and empty, he must subscribe to the myth then that there is someone less than he. Yeah, oh yeah. And That's when that important. myth is shattered, then there's the lashing out. Right. How dare you take uh, uh, the man out from under me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, i got to have something yeah. beneath me. Yeah. So here is Iago. What come, and this leads to James Earl Jones' Othello and his understanding of it. Here's Iago 
frustrated completely every turn. Yeah. Now, and in contrast to him, is you play you play Othello then as innocent, and he would have to open, be, wouldn't yeah, he, in yeah. order to be open to all yeah. of Iago's uh, yeah. hints and everything. Right. Yeah. Uh, he he enters this this world just like a, I don't know a young explorer from the east goes into the uh, in the pioneer days he goes into the countries the of the Indians and he gets a half breed Indian to tell him what's what you know and he's got to depend on this man he's got to accept when the when his guide says, you know, you mustn't do this or you must do that, he's got to do it. He has no other, uh, you know, so already criteria. So, Othello, then, is an explorer who's in the wilderness that is Venice yeah. at this time. Yeah, and Iago is his guide. Mm-hmm. He's got to listen to him. Yeah. Nobody else to listen to. His wife he can listen to, but he has a different kind of relationship. But, uh, his wife hasn't gone through the pains and agonies that uh, men went through in these days, you know, wars and so on. So he has to listen to Iago. As he, and as he listens, openly, yeah. very openly, wide-eyed and openly, though Othello is a man of, of uh, great wisdom that he's learned uh, from his ordeals, from his yes. battles, and yeah. thus, of course, the very, I suppose, the very heroic telling of these tales is what wins the heart of Desdemona, isn't it? Yes, yes. Uh, not just the tales. Uh, uh, Iago has a line. He says, uh, oh, this woman was wooed by... Um, by a braggart, you know. The, he implies that Othello was just bragging and, and Desdemona succumbed to all these lies, you know, about his past. But no, uh, Desdemona, Desdemona saw uh, the pains, the line, uh, she loved me for the dangers I have passed, and I loved her that she did pity them. Here's a man that isn't used to receiving sympathy. He, he's lived without it, and here's a woman that says, oh, yeah. That must have been horrible, mm. what you went through. And he said, oh, yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a man who was wounded, yeah. but his stature is such that the wounds really left no scars, it would right. seem. It would seem, but she, yeah. she had compassion you know, and sympathy yeah. for the kind of life he had led. You know. So there are uh, so many aspects to Othello that you see. The, a man from a wholly different culture mm-hmm. and the aspect of color added to it, of course, I, italicizing the whole thing. Uh, plus the matter of age too. That's interesting. Yeah. Othello is a is a man up in his years to yeah. some extent, and yeah. she's quite a young girl. Yes. And also, you see, uh, one of the problems in getting this play credible in our society in our in our time. Okay, um, a young man a man finds out his wife is possibly unfaithful. He has several choices. He can get a divorce and try all over again. Othello doesn't see that choice. He's waited this long to pick a wife. And he can't go back and try again. <laughs> it's too late. Yeah, it takes true. too much out of him. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, I suppose the aspect, if we can go back for a moment to the different mores, the land he came from, and you were talking about Africa and family, his mother's handkerchief that was so valuable to him that uh, Iago framed so that was found in mm-hmm. the boudoir of Cassio. This handkerchief, that strawberry handkerchief, had a tremendous amount of meaning to Othello, didn't it? Now you're getting into something uh, which I'm curious about. It is the, um, Iago says to, to Rodrigo, his, his crony, he says, uh, we, we thrive, uh, this is not an exact quote, we thrive by wit, not by witchcraft, you know. And it brings up the question, the part that witchcraft and the esoteric or the uh, supernatural plays 
in the life of, of the character Othello. I, I, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Uh, in other words, uh, I'm, I haven't yet decided whether that handkerchief to Othello had magic powers or not. Uh, it could have. You see, the thing that Othello becomes most vulnerable, not, not being called black, not being called an old black ram or a Barbary horse and that, those kind of um, <clears throat> derogatory remarks, but he becomes vulnerable to being called a uh, practicer of witchcraft. Mm-hmm. The old man, the father of Desdemona, cannot understand how this delicate daughter of his could go across that bridge to another kind of human being. And he has to say, well, he must have given her LSD. Yeah, he has <laughs> he to be. He must have poisoned he had her. He to must have, have been hypnotized her or uh, something. He had to have been the black magician. <clears throat> right. He, now, can we come to something? Now, need? Go ahead, sir. I, I, I don't know whether Othello is capable. He might be really capable of this, but he, he did not practice yeah. it on her. <laughs> you, you <laughs> not, know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, that, Jim know. James Earl Jones guest will be starring in Othello February. Uh, uh, we, we open February 16th. 16th through, play through March, March 13th. 13th. What's interesting on this theme of witchcraft, of myth, of legend, as against a Western, whatever you want to call it, seeing with your own eyes, is anthropologists today, the great many of them, are making discoveries more and more that the <coughs> herb doctor had a great deal to do with the cures of elderly. In fact, many of the Western doctors and some of the new scientists, the Western type hospitals mm-hmm. against, but still maintaining the old man there. Yeah. Well, that yeah. there's something he has, a psychic, uh, it's not a question of witchcraft, it's a question of there's, there's some knowledge there are some basic mother truth and wit to some of the old practices, and we come to that again. When we went to uh, Dahomey to do the comedians, um, Dahomey, of course, is the land of voodoo. It's where the, the Haitian voodoo rites came from. You know, and the, Most Haitians have uh, Dahomeyan ancestors. And we found that the, that art is taken quite seriously there. You know, uh, In fact, uh, Papa Doc Duvalier, the president of Haiti, um, is supposed to have uh, uh, hired uh, some witch doctors to put a hex on the comedian's company. And indeed, uh, there was a death connected with the company uh, on their arrival to the homie. A young man was, uh, was uh, uh, dragged out by the undertow uh, uh, you know, mm-hmm. off the beach there. Um, whether we could take that serious or not, uh, the people there believe in mm-hmm. voodoo. You know, and believe it or not, as witchcraft, but as as the same way we believe in Freudian psychology, mm. or psychiatry. Yes, you know? yes. It's uh, you 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 heal through non-physical mm. you know. means. You know, <laughs> you know as, as we're talking, well, yeah. going to talk with James Jones. You're going to say one more no, thing. No, no. Uh, uh, it's Othello we're talking about, and yet his life as an actor uh, deals with uh, certain heroic figures. It happens he's involved with heroic figures. Uh, the play that will be opening on Broadway next year was tried out at the Arena Theater in Washington. It's called The Great White Hope by Howard Sackler. Uh, this is a play dealing with the life and times of the black heavyweight champion. Oh, he won it by knocking out Jim Jeffries. He, uh, no, he won it by knocking out Burns, if I remember my history. Well, my he, sports he, he took the official title from Burns in Burns. Australia, but he had to beat Jim Jeffries, Jeffries. before the American and then Boxing Association he, would accept and him. And then he lost <laughs> it under what is considered somewhat uh, a mysterious circumstance. Jess Willard in Havana in 1915, was it? Yes. When he uh, seems that he lay down. But Jack Johnson, another heroic... He's a different kind of Othello, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, suffering from, in other words... Uh, uh, in this country, when a, a black person asserts himself, uh, if it not, does not quite fit in with the 
the power structure's uh, aims, uh, then he's, he is a, um, he becomes uh, a, a, a figure of fear, a figure of uh, fear and suspicion, you know. I think once uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, I don't like that name, I, he's Cassius Clay. <laughs> except that that's the name he chose. That's the name he chose, And yeah. therefore that's his right. <laughs> I just one, my, 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 may I make my one editorial okay. comment? Okay, all right. Uh, we don't deny Jack Benny's right to use his name as Jack Benny, though his name is Benny Kabelsky. We don't deny the right of Danny Thomas to use his name, though it's a polysyllabic Armenian name. We don't deny the right of Danny K to use his name, though his name is an Eastern European Jewish name, longer. We don't deny the right of Dean Martin to use his name, though it's a longer Italian name. But we do deny the right of Cassius Clay to choose his own name, even though the name Clay, as the name of most Negroes, does come from uh, slave owners, owners of their ancestors, you see. Yeah. So even though I know it's a Muslim name, and you prefer Cassius, the fact is he prefers Muhammad Ali. And just as Jack Benny has that right, so does Muhammad Ali. Oh, he, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not denying him the right. <laughs> I'm <but> ribbing I, <laughs> you. <laughs> no. I had well, to get I, on that soapbox <laughs> for a minute. I want to get that out of my system. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever he chose, uh, uh, see, uh, Cassius, uh, once he chose that cult and that, that name and that whole culture uh, of the black Muslim, uh, he, he, he became, for many people, and especially the boxing world, uh, a strange figure then, you know, he became like an Othello, he became, um, you know, suspect. You know. What's he doing? He's practicing some kind of uh, social witchcraft on us, you know? Uh, Jack Johnson went through the same thing. The fact that he was a big black man, uh, and he had, a, he had a taste for white women. I think most of his wives, he had about four, were blondes of German and uh, Irish or French extraction, you know? Um, I mean, for people to accept this, they'd have to say, "Well, he, you know, he's he's practicing something on on these women. He's he's boozing them, or he's doping them, or he." Uh, one of the scenes in our in our play, "The Great White Hope," um, uh, the young white woman that he is found to be involved with is taken before the DA, the city of Chicago, Cook County, and uh, she's interrogated as if, uh, you know, did he give you pills? Did he do this? Did he do that? How 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 did he win your your affection, you know. <laughs> Comes back to Othello again, yeah, doesn't exactly, it? Exactly. Uh, uh, the father, Desdemona's father. Yeah. Maybe yeah. he, some way or other, yeah. took away her will. You know, uh, there, there, there are two ways to approach um, that which is foreign to us. You know, uh, you, you can say, well, in voodoo, there is a scientific basis that probably is related to our, our uh, the mental sciences uh, that we, uh, we accept, Freudian uh, psychiatry, for instance. Or you can you can approach it like it's a boogie boogeyman, you know, uh, art. Uh, f to give an example, I'm a little amazed at um, when we are we do get uh, for our TV newsreels um, film clips from the north uh, north um, Vietnam of our prisoners. Just the other night, there was one uh, showing the captive. Uh, Flyers, American flyers, uh, in in the prison camp, setting up their Christmas tree, and uh, the news uh, commentator was saying, uh, the film clip we got several months ago on the same flyer, he looked glassy-eyed. Well, uh, it, it, all that's to imply that whatever happens to the Americans that are captured by the North Vietnamese, they are, they are, uh, their minds are twisted, or they are. 
are brainwashed. Are they, I mean, in other words, we have, we have so little information, or the information is kept from us, about what really happens in the culture of the North Vietnamese. And I'm sure the culture isn't that different from the South Vietnamese. But we have to imply that uh, something strange and inhuman is going on, you know. Um, the glassy eye, he looked glassy eye, implying that he was doped up or he was brainwashed or something like that, you see. And I don't know what good it is, it has a great propaganda value, but what's going to happen when we are at peace with that country and uh, somebody who is, whoever is in charge of uh, psychological warfare has got to start twisting our minds back again to make us accept these strange people, just as we are now asked to accept Japanese when once they were... Uh, Orientals uh, with uh, tails and so on, and the Germans were great uh, sadistic rapists, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's, that's a very uh, unfair thing to play on a people in the name of psychological warfare, you know. So we come to the question of, don't we, of who is, who is being brainwashed, don't we? As someone says, they are being brainwashed. What happens to the people who say they are being brainwashed, you see? This is a fascinating point. So we come back again to when someone is different, someone is a stranger to our culture, different culture, there must be some aspect of magic, uh, some aspect of black magic yes, involved yeah. in order for that which we think normal to occur yes, there. Yeah. And so we come back to Othello and, and, and uh, um, Desdemona's father, Brabantio. Yes. Uh, and saying it had to be. And we come back to the DA questioning uh, one of the ladies or the wives of, of uh, Jack, Jack Johnson, Johnson yeah. you see. Something had to be abnormally done because this is a strange man. It's, How can it's it still be? common uh, in, in families where the daughter, especially the daughter, goes off and marries someone from a different race or religion. Uh, that family wants to take her to an analyst right away, yeah, yeah. find out what's wrong. In, in, in a way, uh, there is something odd, and I think uh, Othello has to accept this. Uh, uh, when Iago says, well, you know, it is against nature, she turned down the best, the fair-haired boys of her own culture and married you. Okay, um, you say a young woman or young man raised to hate people of different cultures, and then ends up marrying them, you might have a case. How, how did that person overcome all that teaching? You know, was it her wisdom or his wisdom, or was it uh, something else, you know? And how, how did they manage to cross that bridge? Now, of course, so, you're asking one of the key questions, aren't you? The matter of the conditioning of a person, yeah, any person, no matter yeah. what society, a certain kind of conditioning uh, to be, uh, with someone like you, like you, and suddenly stepping outside that framework and being with someone unlike, unlike you, then how did this happen? So obviously there's something about that person that some would say involves growth, understanding, others would say involves being caught yes. by black magic. Yeah. Yeah. So Shakespeare, he's pretty good. Very <laughs> <laughs> sharp, sort of, yeah. Now so we come to what was uh, historically uh, did you did you do research on this too? At the time when Shakespeare wrote it, uh, Venice at the time, <clears throat> the black man. What was within Shakespeare's ken? Well, in in time? the Elizabethan time, of course, there was a great deal of prejudice. There was prejudice against Jews as well as against black people, and Shakespeare was not above it himself. He, uh, was there anti-black prejudice in, oh, yes. at the time? Not 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 prejudice in the hysterical sense, because the black man was not a threat mm. to the status quo. 
but when he came into that society, it's, it's a little like having a, the son of a black African chief come to an American university that is, doesn't have many black people in it. He's an oddity. Mm. You know, he's exotic by nature of his being different, you know. But he's not a threat until 10 of them come, well, or 50 of them come. Then yeah, they yeah. start dating the girls yeah, and they start competing and getting question. the best jobs and so on. Then it's a yeah. threat, you know. In England today, you know, they have something called a color problem, but it's much milder than here. It involves oh, yeah. the West Indian and the Pakistani, yes. but mostly among white working people. Yes. Again, it's yeah. very they're, similar They're the to ones here. that feel the competition. Yeah. So we come, so there's uh, soon to be seen as Jack Johnson, Broadway, and yeah. here Othello, and we come to the matter of the actor in Shakespeare, in this case, the black actor, James Earl Jones. Uh, does the thought, and the very interesting theme always comes up, open casting. Someday, perhaps, you, you, you said earlier that Othello calls for maturity almost as much as Lear does. Mm -hmm. Does the idea of playing Lear someday, not now, but someday, oh, yeah. occur to you? I, I share the dreams of a, a man that preceded me by several generations, uh, Ira Aldridge. Um, he was he was a, an American actor, a black actor that that uh, lived and worked uh, during slavery that long ago, and because he could not appear on the stage with other white actors, uh, had to go to Europe. I think he gained most of his fame in countries like Poland, uh, Russia, England, and other Western European countries. <coughs> He's now buried in Poland, uh, but he was the first black. Uh, actor of a Shakespeare tragedy, and he started with Macbeth, hit Othello, ended up with Lear. Yeah. Those are his three, you know. Here's the case of the uh, actor Ira Aldridge, internationally known, though he said he didn't play these roles in America. No. Uh, this was, when, when did he live? Before the Civil War? Yeah. 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 He began. Uh, he, he arrived in his, his maturity before the Civil War and be became an actor. This erases the fascinating question of what is known as open casting. Well, you know, Diana Sands, a friend of mine I've worked with her quite often and admire a great deal, um, her th feeling is that, uh, well, she recently, I think she's still doing St. Joan on, on Broadway, uh, the, the Lincoln Center in New York. Her feeling is that um, a young American white actress, Kim Stanley, uh, Geraldine Page, they have really no more cultural insight into the life of a French girl or a Russian girl than I do, you know. Yeah. And what what is it that qualifies them aside from the skin color, you know? Yeah. And uh, all right, the first five minutes, the audience is going to be hung up on what the characters look like. Is he tall? Is he short? Is he fat? Is he you know? Is he dark? Is he blonde? Is he black? Is he white? But uh, and about the f uh, after the first fifteen or so minutes, uh, you, you're involved in the heart of the play as the playwright wrote it, and you're dealing with much subtler issues, cultural issues. You know. Now you're already coming to it, aren't you? This point, that take, let's take Diana Sands, who apparently is a magnificent St. Joan. Diana Sands is black. America saw her as the young girl, in fact, Lorraine Hansbury herself probably, the young sister when, she, when Raising the Sun had its pre-New York tryout yes. here. And she's been in many plays, The Owl and the Pussycat, where race didn't even enter. Uh, yeah. She has loved the young guy, uh, Alan Alder, had no mean. Come back to St. Joan, the key point, a classic thing. She has as much, obviously, it depends upon the intelligence of the actress. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, uh, starting from scratch, Kim Stanley, Geraldine Page, whoever you want to name, mm -hmm. Julie Harris, yes. uh, Diana Sands, each one starts from scratch. Yeah, right. However, Diana Sands does have a black skin or a brown skin. Yes. And you say about the first two or three minutes, the first five minutes, there is that, then you com it's completely forgotten. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, Olivier was working very hard with. Uh, 
creating the black uh, uh, psyche and the black skin of, of Othello. And, and after uh, the first 30 minutes, he had me floored. I, th I thought this was the most magnificent yeah. thing I'd ever seen. But after a while, uh, he had to break away from the character and go into the play, go into the character's behavior, the character's thinking, the character's feelings. And I think uh, uh, maybe because of the film, he was every shooting he was still very busy dealing with surface issues mm -hmm. and never, never quite got down to the the kind of jealousy that Othello felt. Yeah. You know, yeah. How'd you feel about the <laughs> rocking scene? There's a scene there where uh, he he has a sort of fit, an epileptic mm -hmm. fit, and he falls on the floor and and comfortingly Iago rocks him. Mm -hmm. And as he, that's very he, effective. And he puts the that's knife in his, between his teeth so he keeps oh, choking very, himself. Oh, that's very, very effective, yeah. very theatrical and very exciting. Yeah. 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 But you just said theatrical, very exciting. Now we come to the question. You leave a little lingering doubt there. It was, you say, highly theatrical, of course, but did it dig into... No, I, 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 never, I never felt that he really loved uh, Desdemona. And I think that was a fault of the choice of uh, arrogance that he that he made. You know, those, he, he was a black man who was up against the society and knew it, and was had had to outwit them. Was on his defensive all the time. I mean, he had this this white girl was was going to be just here, something to feather his his cap. Is that is that the expression? Nest. Yeah, let's yeah, say his yeah, nest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was 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 to uh, heighten his own prestige. You know, yeah. the, the, this is the attitude yeah. I got from yeah. from Olivier. And it's it's it's, it's a feather in his cap. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, yeah. it's an interpretation. Well, this know. is that now. This is the key difference, isn't it, between, uh, say, yours and Olivier's? Is you, well, your I, Othello I can't vouch for mine yet. <laughs> no, well, you've I done it. Number I'll, ten. I'll know it on yeah. closing night whether I've no. achieved anything or not. But this is my, this is just my thinking. But this is interesting the way you talk <laughs> now, uh, James Earl Jones. Jim, Jim, the way you talk, you have done Othello so many times, and yet you're saying right now, uh, you're implying that you're learning the new, always yeah. new nuances all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It never stops. Uh, I <clears throat> the production that I did with um, Mitchell Ryan uh, uh, and Julianne Marie. Uh, Julianne and I are now married, by the way, and she's doing the um, the Desdemona in the rock and roll version of Othello in California, the Amazon Theater in L.A. Oh, there is a uh, uh, Bill uh, Marshall is playing the Othello, and oh, Jerry really? Lewis is playing Iago. Really, they're doing it uh, American folk rock uh, as a folk style. rock version. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, have yeah. you heard any reports of it from from? I wife? heard the music. She uh, sent me the music for it, and it's very exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you feel? That that raises the subject. Now, right now, you mentioned the free theater. Perhaps you can talk about that's why you did Othello, uh, one of your earlier productions, uh, performance of Othello, the free theater, which is a theater Shakespeare on the in in the park. In the park, it? yes. Uh, Joseph Papp, yes. the director. Yes. Now they're doing a apparently a rock version of Hamlet, aren't yes. they? Yes. Yes. But I think the difference between uh, Joe Papp's um, version of Hamlet and um, uh, the production that Bill Marshall and my wife are involved with in California, that, that's um, uh, Jack Good is the, he, he conceived of it and is directing it there. Uh, Elliot Martin is producing it. Same man that, that brought uh, more stately mansions to New York with um, uh, Ingrid Bergman, um, the producer. Uh, he, uh, the, the difference is that Jack Good, uh, for the rock version of Othello, is sticking very closely to the Shakespeare script. I mean, there are moments when, uh, uh, for instance, when, when Othello gets to the vow about blood, 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 and, uh, you know, the Pontic Sea speech, that goes into song, goes into very, very rollicking, uh, spiritual-type uh, song, you know. Uh, but when they're not singing, they're doing the words exactly as Shakespeare wrote them. I think that's a wise choice. Uh, Joe uh, 
took a chance with his Hamlet by um, by not sticking too close to the script. I haven't seen it. I, I shouldn't really talk about it unless I do see it. But just reading about it and hearing actors that I know in it talk about it. Well, while you're here, though, in Chicago, perhaps a word about the free theater. You've participated in a number of productions of it there, haven't yes, you? Yes, yes. Uh, this is a theater and, and in Central Park, Shakespeare. Tickets are free. I know it's, oh, I, I know it's very tough to get tickets. Uh, this is, plays quite a role, doesn't it? It, it does. Um, I think one, one of the things that stops uh, theater from happening in, in a large city uh, is because the people that can afford to see it um, don't really make the difference between whether theater is important to the society or not. It is the people that cannot afford seats that will make theater or, or not make it. That, I mean, not, not, and some, I'm not, not talking about box office. No. You know. The producers are worried about whether it's going to sell. But whether people are going to see it and enjoy it, that, that depends on, on people, on the real people, not the suburban uh, middle class. Expense people, account audience. Expense account audience, but the people that, that the, well, the people that will make a difference as to whether the play relates to our life, our time now or not, you know. And uh, uh, the fact that when Joe Papp has a, a theater out in the open air, uh, you can come to it and see it free, there's always an overflow. I mean, you, you, you cannot say that people don't have a taste for theater. They do. Or for Shakespeare. Yeah. People come there uh, night after night even, the same people, young people, uh, people who would ordinarily be looking for something to do can't afford to go into the nightclubs and so on. I have to believe that if this is true of New York, it must be true of Chicago. I'm sure it is. That there is, no matter what some may say, there is an audience here, very definitely, that hasn't been given the chance. This right. is the point. Right. So this is a theater that is subsidized by the city? Well, uh, not so much by the city. It gets only maybe a third of its uh, capital from the city. Um, it, it's subsidized by private uh, mm -hmm. endowments and so on as well. And also, by the public. In other words, uh, the people that come to see it, uh, they're invited to, if they really like it and really want to keep it going, those who can afford it, send in a check. You and know. have passed the hat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's uh, uh, the theater. His indoor theater, which is just starting this season, the one that has the, um, the Hamlet in it, um, it's not quite free. I think the tickets are about a dollar or two dollars mm -hmm. or something like that. And he's invited those that who come to the box office who can afford more than a dollar mm. or two dollars to mm. just lay down an extra dollar for someone standing yes. behind them who yeah. might well, not be not. able to afford it. But the, <laughs> this, is, this is fascinating. But the important uh, the discovery is that there's a huge audience. Yeah. This, oh, is, yeah. this is the point yeah. for this theater. So we'll continue with, with you know, an hour is almost gone. It's oh, fantastic. Oh. Uh, I was talking with James Earl Jones and just begun to talk, really. Othello, uh, his Othello. Yeah, I suspect will be very exciting and well I, I was saying uh, you, you said I'm still seem, it seems that I'm still yeah. working on it well I was going to say the production we did in Central Park that we later took into the Martinique Theater in New York um, I thought we had it I thought we were onto it but each each time I approach it with a different cast I have to refine it you know you, you can't uh, you can't build a, a production in your own head and expect the other actors to do exactly what you need to you got to relate to what they are actually oh. doing, you know. So yeah. there, and that's in, in this case, it's Len Cario. Len Cario playing oh. uh, Iago. Iago. Um, and the rest are students. Uh, yeah. Young lady playing Desdemona is very good. Sandra uh, Matthews. Sa Sandra, Sandra Matthews. Matthews. Uh, uh, 
It's a very good company. They, they, uh, yeah. Goodman University is, uh, you know, kept up its. But as, as you say, with different performers, with a different, especially Iago for the moment, and uh, Desdemona with Iago, with a different uh, performer, each one good, yes. and yet wholly different. Therefore, something must happen to the Othello. Yes. To your yeah, Othello. Yeah. Uh, Sandra, for instance, is uh, very young. And so the thing about age uh, in this production yeah. worked very well. Now here's an interesting thing. Yeah. Here's a young, a talented young student actress uh, doing Desdemona with, by the way, James Earl Jones is young, but he can play age very well. You've, you've done Othello. I'm, I'm 37. 37. I'm not young but, uh, but your Othello would be, well, roughly, how old is your Othello? Well, I wanted to be about uh, 47. About 47. I think he should be about 57. Yeah. I about think that's the ideal. That's it, about 50. About 57. The fellow of your mind approaches 60. Yeah, right. And the girl is very young. Yeah. Young. Now, this is, so here's that added dimension again right. of the elderly hero. Yes. Who has never been, Othello never really had a great love, did he? No. I mean, there's, there's even a case uh, for him, uh, unless he did really have Iago's wife uh, as, as a mistress, uh, which Iago implies. That this man is virtually a virgin. Yeah. You know? <laughs> He's a hero of battles. Yeah, yeah. But uh, all of his energy was sublimated in that yeah. life. And, and but, very well, and it, but when it came to sex, Othello and innocent, really. Yeah. And so we have. So that would make him all the more vulnerable, wouldn't it, then? Oh, yeah. He's all the more vulnerable to the hints and yes. the jealousy that. And the jealousy that comes, the jealousy of almost in this respect of a child. I say yeah. in this respect. Yes. Although a mature man in other aspects. So we come to a, a very, very exciting actor in James Earl Jones. We, we just touched, haven't we? Um, they all related with on Jack Johnson. And then uh, here again, if we could just mention this for a moment, since you will be opening uh, on Broadway with that next year sometime. Yes. Uh, the, the play uh, was at the Arena Theater in, in Washington. Washington yes. So even though it deals with uh, 1918, around the 1920, at the same time, it has con I would take it have contemporary uh, impact. A direct uh, contemporary parallel with Cassius Clay, uh, you know, a man who is uh, denied, who's uh, he's denied his title. Um, I won't get into the arguments about whether that's valid or not. I, I have just personal feelings about it. Um, a prize fighter is a prize fighter, and he, the only way he can lose is to lose it in the ring. <laughs> you know. Um, to my mind, uh, Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay is still the heavyweight champion, and I'm sure whoever whoever uh, the title is passed on to, they'll have to eventually beat him in order to be personally satisfied. You know, um, it has it is contemporary. Uh, the play of Great White Hope about Jack Johnson is contemporary in many other ways. The, the problems that he was faced, uh, that he faced as trying to assert himself as a black male, those problems still exist. You know. Uh, assertion is, is uh, kind of a crime, even in, and not not just from black people. Uh, for any American to assert himself to say I am, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, there was a interesting TV show based on uh, you know loosely based on on uh, a man like Adlai Stevenson, uh, where the man got into a lot of trouble simply for saying I am culture. I am. I not only believe in culture, I am culture. I mean, someone who asserts himself this way, you get into a lot of trouble. In America, you're supposed to be normal. You're supposed to be just, just, just you know, all shucks, you know. I'm just, yeah. just a fella, you know. I'm just a 
There's good nothing old. I can do. <laughs> There's nothing. Uh, I don't mean any harm, folks. Do I not mean any harm? There's nothing I can do about it. Well, things can you say, it. things are pretty terrible. Yeah, but I can't help it. Nothing I can do. The man upstairs, he yeah. knows more. And so, basically, what we're talking about here in the Great White Hope, by the way, the Great White Hope ta- name was derived from a phrase used at the time when Jack Johnson was changed. They were looking for the Great White Hope to beat Jack Johnson. And eventually found this big Texan, another Texan, Jess Willard, uh, who was a big hulking guy and uh, many stories that sports writers of those days remember connected with the fight when Johnson well, practically gave up the title under various pressures and threats in Havana. Uh, but uh, the, the title is derived from that phrase of the day, the, they were looking for the great white hope. They still use it, and they even apply it to uh, black athletes nowadays, you know. Yeah. He's the great white hope. The he great white hope, yeah. <laughs> so the implications are so many in this play, and again, we return to the classic. And So as we see James Earl Jones starting February, I'm bad on dates again. 16th. 16th through March 13th, the Goodman Theater with Len Cario, the Minneapolis Theater of Guthrie as Iago. Uh, I think we're in for a very fascinating performance and event. And we touched on the blood knot, haven't we? Yes. But not fully, but just the idea that the here again, a black, white, uh, black, white, Brother, same mother. Yes, there. yes. And I know the number of other plays which you've been involved, but for the moment, this. Any uh, thoughts occur to you that we haven't uh, hit during our free and easy conversation here? Well, it's been not only free and easy, but very inspiring for me. And I, I feel, you know, if anything hasn't been said, it's been implied. <laughs> <laughs> James Earl Jones, actor, Othello, February 17th? Uh, 16th. 16th. Yes through March 13th, Goodman Theater. Thank you very much. Thank you.